We are six women. We are wordsmiths. We are magic. We are curious. We are contradictions. We are wanderers. We are people of many names. We are mind trekkers and story weavers. We are adventurous spirits. We continue to grow. We've been baptized in the font of dream and memory. We are partly truth and partly fiction. I am Gail. I am Joanne. I am Margie. I am Katie. I am Marion. I am Mary. We are the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers. Hello and welcome to the Mystic Order Podcast. This is Mystic Mary and we've got a great podcast today, uh, especially because we have a guest. So I'm going to quickly jump in and introduce our guest. It is the author, Dana Ginther, who lives far away and I'm going to let her take it from here. <laughs> well, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I live in Spain, and I um, am an author. I've written three novels, and am now working on short memoir pieces. And I just got one uh, accepted for publication in the Hawaii Pacific Review. So I hope wow. it's not out of Maui. I'm not sure where it is, because that I'm sure they have other fish to fry over there. Dana, please so. tell us about your books. Where can we find your books? Well, you can find them on Amazon and other online sources. They're historical fiction, and the first one is called Crossing on the Paris, which Mystic Mary titled um, over a beer many years ago. And the second one is called The Woman in the Photograph, and it's a fictionalized biography of Lee Miller, who was an amazing woman, a beautiful model turned photograph, a photographer, and then the last one is the Admiral's Baths, which uh, takes place in the city where I live, Valencia, Spain. Wonderful. And as Gail said, you can get all three of them on Amazon. Wonderful. And Diana is one of my best friends and goes way, way back to high school. And we had a good time last week at the beach with uh, two other friends. And we read notes and silly things we had written in high school and giggled and giggled. And I want everyone to know that if Dana were a fruit... She would be a green grape with seeds. With seeds. <laughs> now, these are the things we decided when we were 16 years yes. old. Mary was an apple. I was an apple. All right, so let's move on and see who else is here. I, I bet everyone here could guess which. You don't count, Dana, and neither do you, Mary, but I bet the other, other three of us know which beach. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows which beach. Edisto, Edisto, Edisto Island. Absolutely, yes. All right, let's see who else is here. Let's see. Who's to my the left? The queen is here. And Joanne, the pu- the public, <laughs> was it the public defender? The mystic defender. She's not the public defender any longer. The private defender. The private defender. <laughs> and Margie, the mystic illuminator, is present. We're missing two m- mystics. That would be the lovely Marion and the beautiful Katie. And I don't know where they are. I know it. They've missed it. That's all I can say. We are mystified by the missing mystics. Okay, so let's see. Before we get started into the heart of our podcast, which, by the way, is a game show, so you folks be on your toes, uh, what kind of good books are you folks reading lately? Anybody want to share? Well, I've been listening to, and I've ordered it so I could read it to the Hail Mary Project, and or Project Hail Mary, that's what it's called, by Andy Weir, who's the same guy that wrote The Martian. And it's science fiction, but it's quite good. And I might recommend listening to it, just because there's some sound effects that are kind of great to hear. Anyway, I, I think it's, I'm not finished with it, but it's, it's very uh, engaging. Very scientific, Mary, you'd like it. Mm. Okay, that sounds interesting. That's interesting because today is a big Marian feast. It's the Maria Himmelfahrt. In German, it's the Assumption. It's a Catholic thing. But that's at the Hail Mary Project. I love that. (laughs) When Mary ascended to heaven. Yes. Today on the 15th of August. Exactly. It's a good time to go because it's hot on earth. No kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Could be. Well, I have been kind of... um, have binging Barbara Kingsolver. Nice. And uh-huh. I, the Lacuna, I think, is one of the best That's she's wonderful. ever. Demon Copperhead, I thought was great. Did but you think it was a bit lengthy? No, 
No, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think if a book keep open a very heavy door, it's too long. <laughs> well now. But d- you could argue that David Copperfield was also very long. And that was, I think, the, the foundation. Yeah. But the kind of the unsung one that I thought was so beautiful was Unsheltered. Have you all read that? I don't know. I can't so. Is it Unsheltered? Oh, my God. Yeah, Maybe I I'm think saying it, it is. wrong. It's is the, it Unshuttered? It's unsheltered. It's the one about a, a woman botanist in a utopian society. I did read it, oh. but I don't remember that being the name. So, yeah, yeah I love that. Yeah, so unsheltered. very beautiful. Okay. Well, Joanne, did you read anything? Well, I have been reading not Cozy Mysteries. I started many, 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 many years ago and just picked them up again because I had all of them listed in my you're getting ready for your trip. I am not um, beach books, but walk books. Well, these are these are. Um, I guess they could be either one, beach books or walk books. But it's the series, the number one ladies detective agency by Alexander McCall Smith. It, I know, and I love the you know the title character is um, Mara Rotsmont. Let's say Ramotsway who is a traditionally built woman. I love that. <laughs> traditionally <laughs> built. She's a traditionally built woman. You know, they have the first six books in a short TV series. Well, you know, I just learned that there's a TV series. I'm excited about that. It's been out a long time. I don't know if you can find it. I think it was on Max, HBO Max, when I watched it. But that had to be 10 years and ago. And you know if it's been like 10 years ago, you can probably get it on YouTube someplace. So. And, and yeah. also, I heard him speak at the Edinburgh Book Festival oh, wow. in 2019 or 2018. He's quite quite a good speaker. Looks like you can see the character well, too. Well, he's an interesting writer. Yes. Well, I've, I have been reading four out of five star books. I don't want to, but it's just happened that way. I read The Boston Girl by the same person that wrote The Red Tent, which was Hmm. definitely a five star book. No, The Red Tent was amazing. But The Boston Girl is not amazing. Hmm. You know, it'd make for a good beach book. But I was disappointed because I, I like to, because of my advanced age, I like to only read the very top five-star books and haven't done it because I've been so disillusioned I went to the TV and watched Fisk on Netflix and it's five star (laughs) Fisk F-I-S-K it's about a woman lawyer and she's Australian I think Mm -hmm. it's hilarious Fisk well I've been in a reading drought but I am listening again to Like Water for Elephants which I just did it again I'm listening to Water for Elephants not to be confused with Like, like Water, Water for, for Chocolate, Chocolate which yes. are both excellent books. <laughs> and I'm also watching something really good on Netflix, and I can't tell you the name of it because I'm unprepared, but it's about the Lakers' empire, and I think everybody else mm. has watched it, and it's really delightful, even though I don't like um, basketball. Something about winning. So there's my very unprepared narrator statement. So are you guys ready to play our game? Oh, no, 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 we're not. We're going to talk about a trip that the Mystics just took. Oh. Yeah. Where do the Mystics go? Well, the Mystics went to Amelia Island, Florida, and we did a presentation at Story and Song Bookstore, which is a wonderful, wonderful bookstore, wonderful independent bookstore. And it was set up actually by my sister, uh, Siri Andre, who lives on Amelia Island. She Not knows, the bookstore, but the reading. Yeah, she set <laughs> up the reading. And she knows the bookstore owner. So we were invited. And it was great. They had a luncheon for us. And 50 people came. Yeah, we just talked about, you know, our books and sold quite a few and just had a great time. It was. And if you own an independent bookstore out there and want the mystics to come, we're your people. We are. We will. We come. want to travel abroad. So just be, you know, if you have an independent <laughs> bookstore somewhere, we, you know, in Scotland, we're your girls. <laughs> well, what was it? What was it like? I mean, I saw online that it was a luncheon or something. If folks were coming to come in and eat and listen oh, to yeah. the Mystics, what you was know, the my format? favorite thing. Well, there was a lot of favorites because it was an amazing bookstore. She doesn't need us to advertise her bookstore because she's going to make it. It's it was a great bookstore, but the thing I liked about the reading is before we even got started and the guests were coming in. Several of them had on their Auburn T-shirts. Nice. Some had on Margie's creations, and they would come up and show us had on kind of a sparkly Auburn T-shirt, and it was really fun to know they had done their 
found out who we were and yeah. where we were from, from did their homework. A prepared yeah. audience. That's interesting. We even sat up on a day. And I, I just thought about when we had gone to the Columbus Library to see Emmer Tolls and oh, who wrote um, Where the Crawdags Sing, Delia. Owens. Owens. You know, they were all sitting up there on the day in these chairs and they looked so important. That's where we were. Yeah, <laughs> I called it our Dick Cavett <laughs> I know. speech. It was <laughs> so nice. Yeah, Story and Song has a lovely bookstore downstairs, and then upstairs they have a place for performances. And I think both of the owners are musicians, so they do a lot of music oh. as well. It's so, And they also offer a lot of courses for children in the community, yeah, and it's just a really, a really great place. I want to know, like, did anybody do anything? Like, did any did any of the mystics mess up or yes. steal shoes? Oh, yes. Or no, tell us shoes. something I weird. Misbe- I misbehaved. Okay, tell us. Because because Margie's sister set this up, they assumed that Margie was the queen mystic and oh. introduced her as the queen mystic. <laughs> so I had a royal fit. Oh no! Right in front of the audience, I said, "There's been a terrible, terrible mistake here." <laughs> Uh, Margie is not the Mystic Queen. In fact, that would be the Gale. And uh, I just, you know, showed my butt. Did you have a wild-eyed fit, Gale? I, I had a monkey fit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> These are the moments we live for. I enjoyed being the queen for a, a minute. Queen for a day. But she didn't even, queen get, a, she didn't even get a washing machine. It was sad. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad y'all survived your Amelia Island adventure it was Sorry, lovely. where is amelia island in florida in florida okay. it's yes. near jacksonville it's on fernandina beach fernandina beach is amelia island's big district i guess dana have you ever had any major flub ups or catastrophes in your readings you do a good bit of reading i i must say i prepare a lot i mean I have to do some of my readings in Spanish, some of them in English. I'm always more nervous when I have to speak in Spanish. I, I've said a few jokes that maybe weren't as appreciated as much. I said once um, that we were, I was going to talk about my first two books, and then I would get straight to the baths. <laughs> which, which, you know, the, my third book is called The Admiral's Bath. So I said, and then we'll go straight to the baths, down the hall and to the left. And they, <laughs> and they, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> All right, well, let's, we're, here's what we're going to try today. This is going to be our inaugural game show. We're going to do our version of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, but we've got to call it something different because we know that everybody at NPR listens to our podcast. And I'm going to say, Wait, us. Wait, Telemystic. Okay, Wait, Wait, Telemystic. Okay. That could be like T-E-L-E, like Telemystic. <laughs> All right. Wait, Wait, Telemystic. So we have each scoured the interwebs for news and other items of interest and mixed them up with some fancy of our own. And we're going to read and, and vote on which one we think is true. Everybody familiar with how to play the game? So we're going to read three, and then one of them is true, and we're going to guess which one is true. Exactly. Now, those were the directions. Some people have veered from the directions. Would that be you, Miss Mary? That would be me, who wrote the directions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I will have to say that I did, because I wrote, I thought it was that we had to tell which one was false. (laughs) And so I had to go and rewrite, but it's all good. It's okay. all good now. It's you know, I did mine when you first assigned it. And so when I went back and, and read over it yesterday, I couldn't remember which one was false. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be really interesting. <laughs> in, in no, no, classic, I've cleared it up now. Classic mystic fashion. <laughs> no one followed the directions, but we're going to have a good time. So who volunteers to be our first newscaster? Here comes Margie. Ah, Margie. Okay, I will. Now, the first one is a story about the color red. The next time you put on bright red lipstick or rouge, eat a red M&M, enjoy red velvet cake or cherry Coke, be aware that the red coloring in these projects is made from insect blood. That's right. The blood from the kiny cochineal insect found in huddled masses on the sunny side of a prickly pear cactus leaf have been the source of the carmine color red used in dyes, makeup, and food coloring for centuries. It takes a lot of insects, around 70,000 dried insects for a pound of the raw cochineal 
but the end result is one of the strongest and brightest colors the world has ever known. Civilizations have been aware of this insect's colorful secrets for quite some time. It was used as a dye in Central and South America from at least the second century BC and became intrinsic to the Aztec and Incan empires. Later, when it was exported to Spain and other European countries, it dyed Venetian velvets, funded the Dutch dye industry, clothed Roman Catholic cardinals, gave women's cheeks a rosy flush, and was also used as a medicine. These insects are still being harvested today to produce the cochineal uh, used by cosmetics and food industries. There are signs, however, that the human species' appetite for this insect may be waning. In 2021, Starbucks abandoned its principal food red coloring of strawberry frappuccinos and cake pops after an outcry from vegetarians and Muslims. Excellent news for the cochineal but perhaps less so for the world's prickly pears. <laughs> okay, that's story one. Story two, the spider web fabric. Oh. An acrinologist, or how do you say the... Yeah, that sounds correct. good. Yeah. Dr. Parker Peterson has discovered a method for training the Argiope orindia, commonly known as the riding spider, yellow garden spider, zigzag spider, to weave intricate fabrics for the fashion house of Alexander McQueen. In keeping with the late McQueen's love of exquisite tailoring and unique detail, this versatile, strong, and natural fabric is perfect for Alexander McQueen's fashions. Dr. Peterson, a professor of biology at the University College London, has been studying web technology for years, but only recently realized he could train these spiders to weave fabric that could be worn. To quote Dr. Peterson, the whole process is rather secret, and I'm waiting for my patent on this process to explain more. I should mention, though, that the end result is very lovely. When asked why he chose McQueen's fashion house, Dr. Peterson explained, Lee, Alexander's first name, and I grew up together in public housing in London's Lewisham district. We both achieved success by very different paths, but we always remain good friends. After his death, I vowed that any discovery I made with the spiders would be shared with Lee's fashion house. I think he would be extremely pleased with my contribution. The new acronid fabrics will be featured in the 2023 fall collection. Okay, story three. Color choices may be tied to intelligence. In a recent study published in the journal Nature, researchers at the University of Michigan have found the intelligence of an individual may be directly tied to his or her choices of the color garments they wear. Dr. Penelope Ware, one of the researchers, commented, We interviewed over 500 individuals inquiring on their preferred color choices for garments, and then each took an online IQ test. The results were rather amazing. The folks choosing the red color had the lowest scores, many below 100, while the folks choosing blue... Scored, scored the highest between 115. I'd like and, to point out that I have on blue today. And, and 145, with the average score of 130. We're still ranking other colors to see how those colors stack up. We still need to account for the different values, lightness or darknesses, as well as the intensity, brightness or dullness of the major hues. Our next step will include doubling the individual survey to make any final conclusions. What is your favorite color to wear? Excellent. Okay. Very well done, Marjorie. These are some good stories. So we had to choose one that is false, correct? Yeah. No, we have one that's true. I mean, yeah. 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 Mary, stick with the program. True. Sorry, I'm brain dead. Okay. I'm going to say that number one is true because it's the longest. Also, I had heard about that, but I didn't think it was the insect's blood. I thought it was Bingo. just yeah, the, the shell and kind of crushing the, the insect in its entirety. Ah. The blood. Do insects have blood? The blood does give the color. Well, the whole thing. Okay, oh, no. Margie, don't Margie. give any hints. But I'm going with <laughs> just one. Just a fake story. I mean. <laughs> I, when I was in Mexico, I went to a person who does weavings, rugs mostly, in fact, I have one I'll, I'll put online after this podcast. The red color came from insects. Mm-hmm. So that's, I immediately wrote true, true, next to Margie's number one. And see, I'm, okay. I'm what about having, you? yeah, I'm contemplating because my husband's company 
worked on using spider webs into fabric because mm. the strength of a spider web, and if you have ever walked through the woods in the fall, <laughs> I could have made a pattern yesterday, just even yesterday, the spiders were out. I'm going to say no to that story because oh, it's not fall. I know you already said what you are. <laughs> you already said what you are. Um, and then as far as no, the I'm color your story, for, not Margie's. I'm sorry, girl. What? Your story. My story? Walking through the woods Forest. in the fall. Forest. Oh, Shala. Anyway. Um, <laughs> oh, Shala. Oh, Shala. I'm going to start saying The that. color and the color of intelligence, they always tell attorneys to wear red. <laughs> and so that may be true. <laughs> Is it to look powerful? And to bold? look powerful, yeah. It's supposed to be powerful, but, you know, powerful does not necessarily mean intelligent. So I'm going to say the true one is the spider web. Okay. Hmm. Joanne's voting for story number two. Dana, where are you? Well, I'm also I'm gonna agree with Gail on this one. That I had heard a lot of that before. I don't know there were so many details that I don't know if all the details were true. But um, I have a hard time believing that a spider web could be made into fabric, even though I know that they're amazing. They have a lot of qualities, but a, a worm isn't a spider. So I don't know. And you, Mary? I am going to vote for number two, the spider web as being true. I happened to write a column this time last year about orb weavers, and there was something, I did find something where they had made a gown. A, a beautiful gown and also they use it in surgical procedures because mm -hmm. it's so oh, yeah, tough and, that. yeah and I was very impressed with the writing of number one and so if it's not true I applaud well actually I thought they were all really well written well written Maggie which one did we not get did not get a vote number three, three did not get a vote the but what's color it about? intelligence oh, color yeah. and intelligence oh, yeah. okay so everybody's votes are in we've got two for number one and two for number two and I say in awarding points that if Margie fools us all, she gets a point. So, okay, let's hear it, Margie. Which one was true? Oh. <laughs> Mary has to give me the microphone. It was true that Mary was wearing red. No. <laughs> yes, it, uh, number one was true. And this comes from The Secret Lives of Color by Cassia St. Clair, oh. which is a great book on all the colors. It is the insect's blood. Well, you know, that's why I gathered, but it could be the whole insect crush body. Yeah. So that might have been a little bit uh, inaccurate, but mm. um, still, overall, it's true. They were crushing the bodies of the insects at the rug place in Mexico. It might be Gail hard. To and Dana get a point. Mm -hmm. It might be hard to separate because they're not very big. They look like seeds. They might be hard to separate the body from the blood. I remember there was kind of a to-do about having bugs in yogurt some years ago. Yeah. Do you all remember that? I there thought was that was protesting. Goat. Goats and, and, and worms and McDonald's hamburgers. You know, <laughs> No, but I mean coloring. Coloring oh. <laughs> the cherry yogurts or the strawberry yes. yogurts yes. with this particular insect. And, yeah. and some people were outraged. Yes. Oh. But it had been going on for millennia, right? Yeah. Well, that's all news to me. I think it sounds like a I, column. I should say <laughs> that the red dye is disguised as E120, just in case you want to read that on your label. <laughs> E120. Wisconsin's I have a quick e comment about spiders, too. Y'all were, you know, trying to debate whether what Joanne, you didn't, weren't actually debating, but <laughs> whether Joanne was walking into spider webs. This time last year, it was a few weeks previous to this that I wrote my first column and it was about not the riding spiders but the other huge golden orb weavers mm -hmm. I could not walk through my yard without walking into those they were everywhere and I have not seen one yet, yet. they'll come yeah they'll last come. year I thought are they early I thought they were September yeah. critters they are so what, usually September what, critters. when did you see them last year very early August first week in August yeah and they were everywhere and everybody was talking I mean you know yeah and so they Maybe were it's not I guess just year. early I, I think they come every year. I walked through, I, I did walk through the woods yesterday. Anyway, and um, I looked down and I had three spiders riding nice. on Riding spiders. Riding <laughs> spiders. One was, but one was a little smiley face spider. I don't. I know there's a, a scientific name for it, but I'm not sure. The smiley face CI works. 
Okay, who wants to be the next reader? I'll be the next reader. Okay. Mine's not as long as Margie's, but... But you have more in case we need more, right? That's right. There you go. If we run out of thoughts, I've got a couple more. Okay. These stories are about the Hollywood sign. Oh. Oh. In my first story, I'll read, in 1932, Peg Entwistle and her father, Robert S. Entwistle, both Broadway actors, climbed by way of a workman's ladder to the top of the H sign in Holly, the Hollywood sign. In, a, in an obvious suicide pack, both father and daughter jumped. Robert lived for several months after the incident. However, Peg died instantly. Little is known about the reasoning behind this terrible act. Peg had just finished filming 13 Women, her only starring film, which was released posthumously. 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 That sounds very unlucky. (laughs) She should have made another before. Okay, Okay, the suicide pact is number one. Okay, number two. At times, the Hollywood sign has needed restoring. In the late 70s, the sign was in much need of repair. There was a public campaign to restore the sign. Nine high-profile donors gave approximately $30,000 each. Gene Autry, Hugh Hefner, Andy Williams, Alice Cooper, and Warner Brothers Records were among the donors. Alice Cooper's donation was given in memory of the comedian Groucho Marx. And my third story. In 2010, a banner covered the Hollywood sign reading, Save the Peak. It was placed by environmentalists and preservationists concerned about the possibility of a real estate development. The plans for this development included a casino, a water park, and a smaller version of the Hollywood Bowl. Enough money was donated, and much of it by Hugh Hefner, to buy the land and put it in a trust. It is now part of Griffith Park. Well, all of those sound true to me. They all sound true. But I, I think I have just recently read that Alice Cooper and Groucho Marx were friends. So that gives a little validity to number two. Are you going with a two? I'm just going to jump right into number two. Jumping into number two. Okay. I'm going to vote with two, two. Two also. (laughs) I think I I I remember reading about the restoration of the sign, and a lot of people donated. So I'm going with two. Well, I'm also going with two, and not because I was influenced by y'all, but I just thought (laughs) it just... It just had the most ring of truth, although it's not an easy one because I think any of those could be true. I'm, you know, with Auburn being built <laughs> built up by developers, I can see what someone in California would <laughs> try to buy the sign. In fact, some some developer is trying to buy up burnt Maui right now. Oh, yeah, wow. right up there with. Um, well, we, we won't go there because I guess developers are good. So I'm going to go with three. All right. So everybody has voted. We've got Dana, Margie, Mary on two, Joanne for three. Gail, which one's true? Two. Number Yay. two. <laughs> All right. So Dana gets a point, and Margie gets a point, and Mary gets a point. This puts Dana in the lead with two points. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, wow. We can really write up some things that aren't true. <laughs> we could be in the news business. <laughs> oh, who's next? It's just fiction, Dana, fiction writers. Yeah, we can make this stuff up. Oh, yeah, I'll be next. Okay, Joanne's jumping in. Okay, as the mystic defender, I thought I would go down the legal route. So I'm going to discuss with you three pretty common crimes in Alabama and how they have been upheld by the courts. Harassment. A person commits the crime of harassment if with the intent to harass, annoy, or alarm another person, he or she either strikes, shoves, kicks, or otherwise touches that person or subjects them to physical contact, or, more commonly, directs abusive or obscene language or makes an obscene gesture toward another person. Miss Miller was intending to harass, annoy, and alarm Miss Merritt by calling her a bitch three times. And I know that's not polite to say on, but it's in the records. (laughs) (laughs) And exclaiming, you got a red dress like a damn devil. 
the city of Fairhope found Miss Miller guilty of harassment, and the Court of Criminal Appeals agreed with the city of court, stating, you cannot call a woman um, a name like that, and you sure can't talk about her clothing. Oh, or the devil. (laughs) So, driving under the influence. A person shall not drive or be in actual physical control of any vehicle while there is a 0.08% or more by weight of alcohol in his or her system, or she is un- he, or he, he or she is under the influence of alcohol. Because the word vehicle was used in this particular crime, the state of Alabama recently amended the law to include marine vessels and any marine device making it illegal to operate a boat under the influence of alcohol or drugs. But way before that time, the state had determined that a vehicle could be a bicycle, could be a golf cart, or could be a horse, any mode of transportation. So you could be DUI on your bicycle, and a friend of mine says, I'm drunk as a bicycle. Or you can, <laughs> in Alabama, you cannot even have your trusty steed take you home if you're intoxicated. <laughs> that's wow. terrible. And you can also be arrested for walking around drunk. So I don't know how folks well, that's are supposed public. to get home. That's public okay. intoxication, <laughs> different from DUI. Okay, Alabama has always been an agra- agrarian state, although they do recognize property rights in a most stern way. Wait, is this now onto number three? This is number okay, three. Okay, I'm so okay. sorry. I'm sorry. Here we go. So that was this the third driving one. under yep. the influence. And there is a law stating that you cannot permit livestock or animals to run at large upon the premises of another without permission or you cannot allow them to run on public lands, highways, etc., generally, again, without permission. The law states it should be unlawful for the owner of any livestock or animals to knowingly, and the owner, to knowingly, voluntarily, negligently, or willfully permit such livestock or animals to go at large in the state of Alabama. The courts have been very liberal in interpreting knowingly, voluntarily, negligently, or willfully. So if your cows escape the fence and you're not aware of their flight, you may not be liable no matter how many times it happens. Because as a local official charged with this section defended, you cannot control your cattle or your children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) So harassment, only one is true. Margie's talking without a microphone. Here you go, Margie. <laughs> uh, we were just going. We over were recapping. Them. We were recapping. <laughs> so can harassment. By working, can you cheat by working together on this? Uh, we're not working together. We're, we're I was just, just reviewing. Looking at the, her notes. I will go. Harassment, whether it's harassment to call a woman a bitch and then say you've got a red dress like a damn devil, whether you can be DUI not only in a car but in your golf cart. Uh, on your bicycle or on your horse, or whether or not your cattle can run at large if you do not knowingly, negligently, willfully permit them to do so, because, as and this was a local, literally was in the paper not too long ago, local official said you cannot control what your cattle or your children do. That was very good, because I don't know, and I'm thinking you should have been a public defender. (laughs) (laughs) I was. She was. (laughs) I don't believe the horse story for one moment. (laughs) I'm going to say number three is true. Number three. I'm going to say number one. Excuse me, number one is true just because it's so much fun. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go with two. Number two is true. Uh Yeah. Yeah, I got married. Well, I had the exact same thought as Dana. I chose the one I liked the best because I honestly think they're all true. (laughs) Joanne misunderstood. (laughs) So I'm going with the devil in the red dress because that's just great. So so that's Mary and Dana for one. Number two is uh, driving under the influence. That's Margie. And Gail is going for three. All right. 
Driving under the influence, you can be drunk on your horse and charged with driving under the influence. You can also be drunk on your bicycle in Alabama. She's Mm -hmm. the only one. Only one. All right. So Dana and Margie are, are, are tied, so y'all right. better hide your notes from each other. So have any of you ever been drunk on a horse? I have been drunk on a bicycle. Okay. Very, actually, several times. Yeah? I don't have a car where I, I live, say, and so sometimes coming home from the bars. But yeah. And if you, just to know that Alabama is one of the few states that do have that. There's only about like, tw- I think there's maybe 15 states that say you can be drunk on any vehicle, including a bicycle. So as long as you stay in Europe, you're good. Maybe. Dana. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'm good to go. Well, I got really drunk with my friend Husky, the, my late friend Husky, and and decided I was just going to jump on this horse's back that was out in a pasture. And I did and rode around like Cher. Woo-hoo, this is fun. And I could not walk for weeks. <laughs> And if anybody is interested in hearing me read a micro-memoir about that event, it is on YouTube, and it is called The Miracle of Ramshackle Shack Wine. And it was, You read that to us. I, yes, well, it's on, it's, I might have, but it's also on YouTube, and it's a pretty funny story. And we were on a private property, so if there's any law listening... Well, I always thought this was very, very unfair, because if you can't jump on the back of your horse and say... Silver, take me home. I know. <laughs> yeah, my horse was named Pearl, not Silver. All right, well, Pearl. <laughs> and or I mean, if the horse isn't drunk, that's right. Which <laughs> or if the car isn't drunk, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> my bike has never been had drunk. a sip. It's never no. been drunk. I bet there's not a drunk golf cart either. <laughs> well, they all seem kind of drunk to me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, you know what I think I, I think I'd like to do is Gail, you have short ones, right? Mm-hmm. I'd like to do for you to do another one of your short ones because well, I have we short have short ones time. too. Oh, okay. Well, tell well, Dana, you do, do your a Dana short. short one. She's our guest. Do okay, go. So I, um, all of my little short ones are about Spain and Spanish culture. <laughs> so you will be sad to hear, perhaps, that in Spain there is no tooth fairy, but needless to say children still lose their teeth and require compensation. So instead of a fairy, they have the dove, Paloma, who flies in at night, takes the tooth from a saucer left on the bedside table, and leaves a coin. Nowadays, typically, it's a euro. Okay, so that's the first one, the tooth fairy. So the second one, Shakespeare fans of Othello might wonder exactly what a moor is, you know, a fellow the moor. Um, they were Muslims that came up from northern Africa who took control of the Iberian Peninsula in the 1200s. They were called moros from the word mora, which means blackberry, just <laughs> FYI. Okay, and the last one is um, the Spanish National Anthem Although it was, it's one of the oldest in the world, it has no words. I don't know if it had words during Franco, and they were abolished. They have had competitions to, to decide on lyrics, but it hasn't had words for 30 years at least, you know, ever since I've lived there. And so every time you have the Olympics or some kind of international competition and the French are singing La Marseillaise and everybody else is belting out their national anthem, the Spanish athletes are standing there kind of sad. Humming. Humming. So those are my three stories. <laughs> All right. Tooth fairies, Shakespeare and the Moors and the... What, a, what is a moor? A moor. And the... Um, bum, 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 bum. A moor. <laughs> All right, who's voting? Who's ready to vote? I'm voting. Oh, Margie's go voting. Ahead, you no, you go. Well, they're all great. They really are. I'm going with a moors. It's number two. Margie's, go- Margie's going with the moors. I'm going to go with number three because of Dana's delivery. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and Dana ain't talking, so there ain't I no was, words. Yeah. <laughs> I was going with the more until she said Blackberry, and that did it for me. I went with three. Okay. Joanne? I think I'm going to go for the moors, too, because I've been wondering oh. where the more came from. Mora. I should know that. So we've got 
Joanne and uh, Margie are going for the Moors, and Mary and Gail are going for the Spanish National Anthem, and nobody went for the Tooth Fairy, so. Okay, well, I will tell you a little bit. There are some half-truths here, right? Mm. So this, the Spanish don't have a Tooth Fairy. They have Ratoncito Perez, which means little mouse by the name of Perez, and he comes and crawls into your so room it's at not night. A dove. So it's not a dove named Paloma. Oh, so, I love that, though. Yeah, I love that it's a little mouse. Well, mouse. it's a little mouse, yeah. Oh. So, um, also, it is the blackberry is true, yeah. the mora. <laughs> but, but they came to Spain as early as 711. Oh, who knows that? Well, right. But it's amazing because you think they've been there since the 8th century right until 1492 when they got kicked out so i said the 1200s giving you guys a a moment uh, to think about okay okay but it is indeed true and if you're watching the women's world cup right now spain is doing very well you can watch the spanish athletes the spanish football players just kind of sitting there yeah So who gets the points, Gail? The national anthem people. Yay. Yeah, that's why I heard. Hey, we're tied. I, I heard, I heard Spain won, and I thought oh, I forgot your name. I should have watched them to see if they just hummed along. Yeah. Well, that's delightful. The, when you said the thing about the blackberry, it reminded me of something really that I just learned, and this is actually true, that cranberries are so named. They were originally called craneberries because the flower of the cranberry looks like a crane. So... There's a little... Like the bird? The crane? Yeah, like a bird. You know what I don't like about cranberries? Those what? guys standing in the lake of cranberries. You don't like oh, that? Oh, I think that's beautiful. Well, but it's nasty. Well, they, they're going to wash the cranberries. <laughs> you think? Well, what about all the manure that fertilizes all the rest of your food? <laughs> that falls to the bottom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the boys okay. in, the, in the cranberry lake don't. Gail has a tidy thing going. I do. She's a little bit whack when it comes to cleanliness. There's something wrong with Gail. (laughs) So, Gail, you want to do an interlude with your shorties? Those were fun too, Dana, by the way. We learned. learned. My next one is on the private eye. And the first story is the Pinkertons' first sign had a human eye painted on it. The company's logo was a wide open eye with the words, we never sleep. And according to one account, the eye was inspired by a mastiff named Argus, whose namesake was the hundred-eyed giant from Greek mythology, hence the name Private Eye. The second story is the Osage Indians hired white detectives to find out who was murdering members of their tribe from 1910 to 1930. The Indians held a ceremony in which the chief, Running Cloud, called out to the gods to give the white men the eyes to see the evil, and therefore the detectives became their private eyes. Number three, Alan Pinkerton became famous when he claimed to have foiled the Baltimore plot to assassinate President-elect Abraham Lincoln in 1861. Lincoln later hired the Pinkerton agents to conduct espionage against the Confederacy and act as his personal security during the Civil War. Lincoln's Secretary of the Treasury, Salmon P. Chase, suggested releasing the detectives from full-time duty due to the cost. Abraham Lincoln answered, These are my eyes. Hmm. What an interesting thing to think about, the history of the private eye. Anybody ready to vote while we mull? I like Abraham Lincoln saying, these are my eyes. I like the mental image of that. Does that mean you're voting for it because you you like it? I do. I remember the Pinkerton logo being, we never sleep, and that big eye. Mm -hmm. So I'm leaning towards that, but I like the the Abraham Lincoln thing, too. And I, I don't think the Osage Indians would hire any white men. Well, <laughs> they actually did. I, we just read um, so Killers. Not, don't don't kill, say anymore. Okay, well, I'm going with Osage. Okay, go with the Osage. What are you going with then, Joanne? Did you decide? I, yeah, I think I'll go with the Lincoln. Okay, well, my favorite was the Osage, but this time I went with the one that I thought was the most audacious, and that was the Lincoln one. I, I just couldn't imagine making up all those facts about such a 
true historical figure. So I went with I went with uh, Lincoln. So that's one for Osage and three for Lincoln. For Lincoln and nobody for your puppy dog. Wait, what about Dana? No, I voted she for Lincoln. So oh yeah. I voted for Lincoln okay. First. Mm-hmm. Well, I get a point, girls. Because it was the first one. Oh, gosh. Well done. Bravo, Gail. Joanne, I wanted to kick you under the table so you get a point. Wait, wait, wait. you got to say that in the microphone. We need to hear that threat. I wanted to kick Joanne under the table so she'd get a point. Well, isn't that interesting? I remember the the big eye and we never sleep. Well, I remember that, yeah. So, Mary, don't you have some? I do have some. I just didn't want to rush us through. But before that, I hear a noise. Oh, what is that noise? Oh, oh, I think it's time for a mystic moment. Did anything have a quick little mystic thing happen to you recently? Anybody? I did. I just made a mystic moment. Camping on the Tacoa River. And this little campsite, it was owned by some people that had lived there for years and years and years. It was just, like I said, right on the Chakawa River. There was spots um, across a little creek that were for um, tent camping. And so we went over there and in, to investigate it. And there were these huge bamboo forests. I'm talking about bamboo bigger than my arm round. And as I was walking along, not looking where I was going, I stepped into a puddle. Well, in that puddle was a dozen monarch butterflies wow. that all fluttered up around me. That's a mystic that moment. That is mystic. Wow. Beautiful. Fabulous. Around me. It was beautiful. Much beautiful. Anybody else have a mystic moment they want to share? Well, I was just visiting some friends in Birmingham, and they've converted their... They have a nice old house and they had a shed in the back and they've made it into kind of a a guest room but it's really still kind of a shed to be honest and we had a terrible thunderstorm I mean usually I love a good thunderstorm Mm. um, but this was just constant lightning and really loud and the bolts and the whole works and actually I got afraid I mean I, I thought why am why am I so nervous? And the next morning, come to find out that a house two streets up was actually hit by lightning and 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 burst into flames. That is pretty crazy, Mystic. Well, no, that's so, yeah, but that's scary, <laughs> Mystic. That's bad <laughs> <Good> instinct. <laughs> Very scary. I had a quick Mystic moment. I was walking in the parking lot and I found an empty slipper on the sidewalk. <laughs> and I looked at it. Oh, it's, it such a weird, it's such a weird thing to see one empty shoe. Should I look, take a closer look for Cinderella? <laughs> I took a closer look at the shoe and emblazoned across the top strap. It said, never accept defeat. Yeah. <laughs> you took a picture of that. I did. I put it on Facebook. <laughs> I almost walked by it. And I thought, no, that's, that's actually funny. So I did take a picture. <laughs> That was my mystic moment. My mystic moment was we're we're Bob, my husband, and I are bird appreciators because we have this huge window in our main room and we can watch them. I looked out the window about a week ago, and in our backyard was an enormous owl, and had its mm. wings in front. I couldn't tell what it was at first. In front, because it had captured not one but two chipmunks. Oh my God! And one got away. Ooh. Did it run away or did it like slowly it, it dive actually, when injuries? the owl grabbed, grabbed one and took off, the other one took its chance and ran out from under the wings and went under the shed. Wow. Now, and Bob said he was willing to give the owl as many chipmunks as he wanted. I'm sure. Gail does have the hands-down best bird-watching house ever. Yeah. In fact, we had a little bit of a um, problem this morning because we usually sit in the same seats every time we podcast, but for some reason I needed to sit. I needed to try seats with Joanne, and she's like, I can't sit here and look out this window. I won't pay attention. That's why I haven't gotten any points. I'm going, oh, look. It's true. <laughs> the hummingbirds. Yeah. We counted 16 hummingbirds not just as the sun was going down last night wow. at our two feeders, and they're right wow. by the window. Wow. Well, this is going to be our moment of truth, because I've got the last 
Unless, Gail, do you have another shorty? I do, but okay. I'm willing to. I have I'll, one, too. Okay. It, okay. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll do mine, and then we'll. I think we'll probably have time to do Joanne's, and then we'll see. Okay, well, so, so Mary, far. Mary, do yours. I am. Just letting everybody know the scores. Mary, Margie, Dana are tied for two. Joanne has zero points, but a lot of bird watching. And Gail has three. Wow. Okay. And well, I have just four a, stories because I didn't follow my own directions. How, <laughs> many, are real how many are true? One. Okay. <laughs> One ah, is true. Then that fits. All right. Beware the dummy thief. Police in Essex, England are investigating four incidents of a man stealing dummies straight from the mouths of babes. Dummies. This is just my, inter- my uh, whatever I'm poking oh, in. Pacifier? That means a pacifier. Yeah. 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 The perpetrator, described as slim, white, aged in his 20s with light brown eyes and yellow teeth, remains at large. Essex police have a photograph of a suspect wearing a black hooded top and carrying a black Nike bag and request to speak to him. Chief Inspector Paul Assan assures the public that this is an active investigation. I urge you to continue going about your daily business as usual, but be vigilant of anyone acting suspiciously. So, number one, the dummy thief. And he steals them out of the mouths of babes. Says, straight from the mouths of babes. Are these big, beautiful women or children? It's a news report. I didn't Google anything. (laughs) Well, you never know. Those women are raving. Out of the mouths of babes. Number two. Zhang Li of Hungzhou, China, suffered heat exhaustion and humiliation after being forced to dress as a Malay sun bear as part of an exhibition at the Hangzhou Zoo where he worked. I was not given a choice, he said in a statement issued on CGTN. The suit was beautifully crafted. I tried my best to copy exactly the real bear's movements and attitudes, but in the end, I was just a man in a bear suit. Zhang Wei briefly hospitalized for heat exhaustion after temperatures inside the bear suit reached 120 degrees, has quit his job at the zoo, but hopes the public will continue to visit the exhibit to see Angela, the real sun bear, who resides there. Any questions? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, those are just two stories. Have you got two more? Mm -hmm. That was one and two. Okay. Number three, Mattel's fall of the house of cards has taken the toy giant by surprise. Top resource executive Mark Loden responded to this quarter's 12% drop in reported earnings, a loss of $257 million in revenue stream. We've drawn a reverse card. The boom we saw in sales of Uno cards during COVID is over. To address this slump, Mattel is hiring Uno card masters to play cards on the clock, brainstormed strategies to, quote, add pizzazz, and tap into the post-COVID market. Salaries for UNO cardmasters start at 97K and do not require high school or college degrees. According to Loden, we're drawing that wild card with high expectations. And number four, Carnival Cruise Lines has announced a new themed cruise to begin in summer 2024. Fans of Sex and the City will, are expected to flock to the And Just Like That Friendships Never Go Out of Style cruise celebrating the storied friendship of Carrie, Charlotte, Miranda, and Samantha. Guests are required to sign up in groups of four, with each participant identifying as one of the four characters. We encourage guests to remain in character for the entire week, said Marie Estevez, Carnival's marketing director. Per the company's diversity and inclusion policy, all sexes and genders are welcome. In fact, Estevez adds, this might redefine the term transatlantic cruise. That was my number four. Okay. <laughs> Very good, Mary. <laughs> but only one is it's true. Well, hmm. I think the transatlantic uh, cruise, say, that quote makes number four wrong, because if you say that, <laughs> you're going to... Hell? <laughs> no, you, you're not going to hell. You're going to be sued. And I, I'm going with the sun bear, number two. I don't know. I just loved it. Also, the guy taking the um, pacifiers had yellow teeth, and I think you added that. And now, Gail, are you being cla- uh, whatever is anglist, Angloist? <laughs> well, I do know that the the English don't take care of their teeth like the Americans do. That's but what they say. But I'm still going with Sun Bear number two. Okay. Anybody else ready to vote? And, and I think every if you get this right, you should get two points because you mm-hmm. have to choose between four. Oh, you do? Oh, sure. 
Well, I was thinking, which of these would Mary invent? And I thought the sun bear was probably something she would invent, and as the dummy thief. But the last one, I thought, why would she ever think about sex in the city? You know, why would that even come into her imaginary? <laughs> and up until the last line, she had me. But I'm still going to go for number four. Sex and City Cruise. Yeah, Transatlantic. Say, that's not fair. You know Mary better than any of us. Well, you all know <laughs> me well, in different ways. True. She's just known me longer. Well, I really like the bear one, too, because that could happen. But I don't really know. They've got the bears. I don't know why somebody has to dress up as one. But they do have those sun bears in China. The cruise is so outrageous. <laughs> um, and with the whole new Barbie craze. Seems Mattel like doesn't have anything to worry about. I wouldn't no. think. Yeah. No, they don't. Um, oh, gee. Joanne, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> well, Joanne's never gotten one right, so I'm going to go with what she does. Why are you asking her then? Because I'm, go I'm going with the opposite. Um, well, well, okay. I, I did like the dummy thief. You know, in, um, in Austria, it's called a Schlüssel, which is, is a key. You know, and so the dummy, I can see them calling it a dummy in England. Well, that's for sure. And I like the, I like the, the bear suit one because just the way, you know, the Asian people are just so stoic. Yeah, and I saw it on the evening news. I know. And <laughs> you saw it on the evening news. I'm going to go with the dummy thief. Well, you know, dummy, it's, it's because they can't speak. Yeah. They become dumb. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to don't want them to speak. I'm going to go with the dummy too cuz we don't call them dummies. <laughs> we call them passies or, or something and we I never heard the dummy yeah. used. Or binky. Yeah. So so are y'all all three dummies? <laughs> no, she's No, the I was the sex in the city. Oh, okay. I I'm going with the dummy. So we got sex in the city, dummy, um, and what was the, the fourth one that no one would choose? Oh, the, the Uno game. Yeah. Champion. Cards, yeah. Okay, so y'all were right not to choose that one because I did sort of make it up, but it is true that they are hiring master Uno card players at an astonishingly high rate to play that's cards. Hysterical. But it's not because they're in a big slump or whatever, but that's crazy. And so the true one is the dummy. And oh, oh, my God. <laughs> and the quote is... It. The quote is word for word. The uh, the thing, the description in his twenties: light brown eyes and yellow teeth. That is right off the news report. Dummy. I thought gave it away. It's a dummy called the dummy because I don't think you would call it a dummy either. No, but if I was making up something about England, I would look up what do they call pacifiers. Uh, was there I wouldn't any, have gone that far. Was there any <laughs> truth to far. the sun bears? Because I know they've been yes. on the news. Okay, so the reason I did the sun bear was because they they have a new sun bear exhibit and the people on Instagram were accusing the zoo of hiring a man in a bear I suit. I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I saw but that. But it's not true. There is it's no man in a bear suit. It's a sun They bear. didn't like the way the back looked. It wrinkled at the yeah. buttocks. And so that's, <laughs> I saw that. Funny. I did see it on the evening news, Poor but not in this. bear. Making fun of his and I fur. totally made up the thing about the Sex in the City cruise. Why did that Absolutely. even come into your head? I have no idea, <laughs> but I thought my line about redefining the term transatlantic cruise was pretty good. <laughs> Bravo. Okay, so let's see. Two dummies on that one. Margie and Joanne get a point. I got a point. I'm so excited. And that's really mean to. <laughs> Take kids' pacifiers out. And it's really mean. And it's weird. And it was funny, too, because it happened to four children over, I didn't put it, it was like over a long period of time in the way they're like, we are taking this serious investigation. And also, we request to speak to the suspect. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, Gail. All right. My last one is on the Chicago 7 trial. Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) I think I might be able to remember that. Y'all better vote with Margie. She's the oldest. (laughs) Okay, the Chicago 7 trial. The infamous activist, Abby Hoffman, began writing, steal this book, while awaiting trial as part of the Chicago 7. Hoffman and his six conspirators were prosecuted by the U.S. government for their part in anti-Vietnam War, in in protesting, and counterculture protest outside the 1968 Democratic National Convention. That's the first story. The second story on the Chicago trial was Judge Julius Hoffman 
refused comment during the Chicago 7 trial and ultimately closed proceedings ostensibly to protect a defendant's right to a fair trial by an impartial jury or to protect privacy interests of witnesses, jurors, or victims. But much later, they closed the trial to everyone because he was mistreating the defendants. But much later, unbeknownst to Abby Hoffman, it came to light that Judge Julius Hoffman was a second cousin to him. And the third one is, Tom Hayden helped found Students for a Democratic Society, SDS, and was arrested as one of the Chicago Seven and indicted for conspiracy to incite riots that was accompanied by the 1968 Democratic Convention in Chicago. During the trial, he met Jane Fonda, who attended the trial on a regular basis, and they eventually married. Okay. Well, I know those two got married. Yeah, me too. I don't know where they met. Yeah, me either. And it's all true about Abby Hoffman, too. You know, I'm not sure if they met there either, but I'm going to go with three. Yeah, me too. The marriage. I'm going with three, too, and y'all can say I have a star by it, so you know I'm not just basing my mine off you. I would (laughs) go with number one, but I don't believe that Abby Hoffman started writing Steal This Book then. (laughs) That was my thing. I thought, is that it? You think it was later, earlier? I think it was after. After is what I would think, You know what? I'm going to go with number one anyway. Okay. So Margie and Mary and Dana are going with number three, and Joanne's going with number one. Nobody's going for number two, and if that's the real one, Gail gets another point. Gail gets another point. (laughs) Damn. She does. Yeah, Joanne gets the point. Okay. Still this book. Okay. Huh. You're go- you went with number one, right? That was yep, the true one. Number one. Yep. You stole yeah. my point, Joanne. I, well, you know, it was really into Abby Hoffman. <laughs> Steal this book. He did start writing it then. Okay. And well. I know all my friends tried to steal the book. I wasn't very good at stealing. I was never a shoplifter. I, most of all, if somebody was stealing, I left the scene because <laughs> I didn't want to be involved. <laughs> but I remember many people stealing that book and they made no money off the book Hmm. so a long time ago somebody close to me called a place of business and asked about the prices for their products and they and he wouldn't disclose his name and for some reason the person wouldn't give him the price without him telling his name it was pretty weird and they issued an arrest for him for harassment over the phone or something weird and this person who was close to me found out about it and went to the Auburn Police Department and stood in front of the window and said, I'm Abby Hoffman. I'm here to turn myself in. And the clerk <laughs> turned around and said, there's an Abby Hoffman here. <laughs> and my friend defended himself at trial and won. <laughs> you actually are allowed to call and ask what somebody's prices are without revealing your name. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what shop he was calling. That is so funny. I wonder. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Details are meant. <laughs> well, Abby Hoffman was always hiding. Oh, you know, did, and but your friend on the lamb. Yeah, your friend said he was Abby Hoffman. He was go, goofing around and expected the clerk to laugh, and she thought there was really a man here named Abby, Abby Hoffman. Hoffman. She was not. Had no idea that Clark's there had been an Abby Hoffman. Oh. <laughs> Who had been on the lamb? <laughs> and what is your friend's name? Oh, it's not Abby Hoffman. <laughs> but you know, Dana, who, who since did my that? friend's not a Dana, it was Dana Ginther. No. <laughs> since my friend is not a mystic and does not have access to our defender, I'm going to leave my friend's name out of That's it. Right. So, all right. All right. Well, this brings us to the end. Let's see who won. There's Mary has two, Margie three, Dana, Joanne two, and Gail three. So Margie and Gail are tied. Do we have a runoff? Can we do a tiebreaker? Okay, I have a tiebreaker. Well, okay. I'm yeah, just sure. going to tell you one short little okay. thing in, uh, about Spanish culture. You decide if it's true or false. And this is just <laughs> the two in tie. Yeah, the, these two, right? Oh, yeah, yep, the Margie and Gail. Decide okay. it's true or false. True or right. false. So traditionally in Spain, we do not have Santa Claus. Um, and the day of the 24th and 25th are not big ticket days. The big day is the 6th of January when the kings came. So on those, you know, 24th, 25th, you might have a meal, you might uh, go to church. But on the 5th, the night of the 5th, children all over Spain are waiting for the kings to arrive. And so they put out three 
glasses of cognac, three cigars, and they put hay on the balcony for the flying camels. Whoa. True or false? Well, I know that the sixth is the epiphany, and it's the last of the 12 days of Christmas. I don't know about those other things, but I'm going to go with true. I'm going with true. It's true. That's not a tiebreaker. <laughs> Joanne, what do you got? <laughs> true, false, tiebreaker. Okay, I can do a true, false no, tiebreaker. I, I think there should be two gifts, one for Margie, one for Gail. Do we have gifts? We have gifts? <laughs> we have gifts? I have gifts. A brand new car. A new car. That's right. Here's a, this is part of one that I was going to go with, but tell me if it's true or false. Soda, the meaning of soda. We're wordsmiths, and you know I'm always interested in where do words come from. The meaning of soda is carbonated water was first used in 1834 when it was known as soda water. Soda is a naturally occurring substance found in alkaline lakes and produced by burning different seaside plants. Although it is now commercially made from from soda. We get bicarbonate of soda. We have soda crackers, soda bread, baking soda. However, soda pop or soda water does not have soda in it. But etymologists have determined that the word when used as a carbonated beverage came from the medial Latin sodanum, a headache remedy that ultimately came from the Arabic suda, S-U-D-A, which means splitting headache. (laughs) And I know after a night of being overserved, my husband enjoys a Coca-Cola soda for that purpose. Is that true or false? I'll go with true, although I, they he, they drank the Coke for the cocaine, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot in there. Some of it could be false, but um, I'll go with true. I'm going with true. Uh, this is not going to break the tie either way. True or false? It's false. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that we just are going to have to go with these two queens. Yeah. Yeah. As the as the winners of today's game. All right. Congratulations. Marty is a queen apparent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have had a great time playing Wait Wait Telemystic, and it is now time to sign off with our trademark tagline: "Be the flame, not the moth." Not the moth.